everybody, and welcome to the maiden voyage of the long finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker. Sitting next to me is my co-host and wife of six years today. Happy anniversary, honey. It's Catherine Wild Coker. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> We're happy to be here. We're celebrating six years today. It's our anniversary. And I said, what do you want to do today, wife? And she says, I want to do one thing. I want to start a podcast. I, I think it's fun. I mean... We, we're getting it in before the seven-year itch. Is that you know? right? We, so is we that have what's to gonna do end? something together. It's all yeah. over after that, guys. So enjoy this year as we, <laughs> we, we take the descent into madness together with you. So, But in all seriousness, we're the long finish. Uh, wh- who are we? What are we about? Well, we're, we're a husband and wife team who live in Santa Monica, California. We have two small boys, a three-year-old and a nine-month-old, and together we own and operate Esther's Bar and Wine Shop in Santa Monica, California. What's the show about? Well, it's really Catherine and myself talking about the day in and day out of uh, raising two kids, working together, and trying to keep our, our restaurant alive. And enjoying wine. Of course we're going to enjoy wine. Every week we're going to open a new bottle of wine that's been picked out by my wife. She'll never, she'll never say this, so I'm going to do it for you. You are a former food and wine psalm of the year that means something to certain people it does to me i'm glad that that gives me street cred so that i can just ruin it now oh is that is that what's gonna happen (laughs) well the thing is i just want to taste wine that's delicious and talk about how delicious it is sometimes there may be some technical information sometimes there may be a little bit of history or a story or something that that's what is meaningful to me but ultimately i want to drink Good, delicious wine. And why are we drinking wine? Um, well, we drink it because we love it, but also because we're in the middle of something right now, guys. We're raising two boys. They're, we're trying to get them to sleep in the same room. And uh, each night, we put them to bed at 7 o'clock, and we immediately run to the fridge, grab a bottle of wine, and open it and decompress. It's a process. Days are long with little ones. And even if we have help which we do many days the days are just intense and especially five to seven because you have dinner and bedtime and it's a lot and so seven o'clock is our time it's our it's adult our time. time to be chill it's our time to unwind think about the day read be together it's it's our time and most of the time honestly we're going to unwind by just sitting on separate ends of the couch and just looking at our phones and not talking. But this That's is a way for us to, get to, to, to talk to each other, have our own podcast. So, <laughs> Thank you all for listening yeah, and letting thank, us reconnect. Yeah, it's a long day. The days are so <laughs> long with us with these two kids. Um, you know, the, the, the long finish also is an allusion to the idea that like you're never really finished building a restaurant. It's something that we're always trying to get better at we're always trying to learn what works for us with the with the wine bar so if you're listening i think if you're a, an aspiring restaurateur or you're someone who works in the service industry who wants to 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 open a restaurant Catherine was a server for 10 years before we got an opportunity to open a restaurant so if it's something that's aspiring to you maybe you are a restaurateur already and you have um you want to learn something or you want to tell us something Email us. T- tell us how to get better. We'll probably say things that probably are like, that was, that's dumb. Why are you guys doing it like that? So, but the, the name of the show kind of alludes to the fact that we're always 
it, there's no end in sight. It's always it's all it's a living, breathing thing. Both our family, our kids, our restaurant, our marriage. It's just this. It's it's a long finish. And it has a wine meaning too, because a great <laughs> wine has a really long finish. Is the wine that we're going to drink tonight, Catherine? Would you say that wine has a long finish? Dear God, I hope so. Yeah, the only reason we wanted to start this podcast because you want to start drinking the wine. I've been holding this bottle for like an hour. Like, when can I open it? Is now the time? Are we ready? Yeah, we were having dinner earlier, and you're like, "Can I open it?" No, you have to save it for the podcast. That's why yeah. we're having a podcast. I know. That's to the talk about wine. I know. Selfishly, I just want to say I'm excited for the podcast because I, I I've been able to learn so much about wine from my wife. Um, that I think hopefully people that listen are going to learn n- you know, new things, new ideas, new ways of thinking about wine because I have. And so it's going to be a real treat to have you talk about wines. And hopefully um, I, can, I can keep learning some stuff too. Babe, you have been my best student. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, seriously. If, if, if your passion is wine or whatever your passion is, if your partner isn't like in it with you, like can at least come to play with you. It's just, it's not as fun. I mean, I think about this a lot. I talk about it a lot. And the fact that now we like, we really have a very similar in palette and enjoy the same things makes life just so much better. So should we get into the wine? Please. Let's drink the wine. Do you want to tell us what the wine is? Yes. I, I hear I, I hear all the the, the workings of uh I know, opening. Thanks. Let's talk about the wine. This is the two thousand five Lebrun Servanet. Champagne via Vigne from Avis. Servanet. Yeah. We've been there. I know. I know. I'm excited to talk about this wine. We we actually because as I said earlier, this is the sixth anniversary for Catherine and myself. And we said, What wine do we want to kick off? the inaugural podcast with and we said let's let's dig into our small humble wine library and uh, pick something out that we've uh, been lucky enough to visit so oh now that's for that's for the, the that's for the podcast that's not for the psalms at home you know that's a that's not the best open no it's going to do it <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do with the when you when you test um, for your certified psalm test it has to go no pops. That was a pop. But you know what? We need that because we're going to use that to open our, our show going forward. You you're, you're, acting like a fo- you're acting like a Foley artist right now. You're like... <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> I na- I, look, look, listen, listen. I get to sip it and talk about how it tastes, but like I don't really listen to it. That's true. We're getting deep. This here. is the first time, just so everyone knows at home, we did three demo podcasts where we were passing an iPhone back and forth, just kind of getting a feel of like how we would make this podcast work. P.S. We don't know still. This is an opportunity for the first night where we get the real setup. Our friend Jenny Radlett Mast, podcast producer extraordinaire, helped us with the ins and outs, how to make this thing work. So we're wearing headphones tonight. We're trying to do this real. So we're drinking. Champagne, wearing headphones. What's what's the what's the wine smell like to you? Oh, yeah, we are drinking this champagne out of white wine glasses because I think it they allow for more um, expression. Uh, and this wine really needs, really deserves that. It's like got this beautiful chalky 
nose, just super mineral. It's really high toned. It's pretty, isn't it? Yeah, it's really pretty. Now, I, I want to circle back to the wine as it opens up a little bit and talk to you. Uh, there's really three things I want to touch on tonight. And the first one, I think, is a fun uh, recap of, since we're doing this post-bedtime for the kids, what was tonight's bedtime like? Well, okay, so really bedtime, I think about it starting at 5 o'clock because that's when dinner is for the kids. Mm. And we do it with them many nights, but it, we didn't tonight because it was just an S show. Um, I probably shouldn't say that. No, that's right. That's, um, that's safe. We don't have to blurt that out. Um, I love that you thought that was a cuss word. Like, I said S. Well, my mom might listen to this. Well, she'll... She knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, anyway, there was, like, not a plan for the dinner because we had a plan for the adults later. So, it was, like, a rush, hurry, like, steam stuff, reheat, leftovers, get it on the table. And Quinn was, like, upset. And then... Bath was crazy because Bo has this um, scratch on his knee and that he doesn't want to get wet, so he won't sit down in the bath. Um, and then it was just, it was, a, a, the actual bedtime was okay. It was just like the first hour and a half that was rough. Anyone who g- does this on a nightly basis knows like there are certain marks that you hit, right? And when you get close to them, you're like, oh, that was a pretty good one. Um, so even though the first part was hairy, we hit most of the marks. I agree. I'd say it's overall a pretty good night. I mean, our youngest is nine months old, and he's teething right now. And like that's it's been tough for us because we're trying to get them to sleep in the same room, and they just can't do it right now. And um, so we're not getting the most sleep we've ever had. Uh, we're not sleeping like single people. We're sleeping three hours, four hours a night. Now, this the, today was made tough because uh, – you know, your mother's in town, the, the grandma's in town, so he's excited. The, the kids are excited about that. We have Ginny was visiting for dinner, so they're excited to have a friend in town, so it's hard to get them down. But I feel like if we can get them down by 7, 15 every night, then we've done a great job. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, like, to, to be able to have this really sacred time, we love our family and we love our kids, but we also love when they're asleep. I love my time with them asleep more than I love them when they're awake. Does that mean? I don't know. You said it on air. Oh, no. Your mom heard that, too. <laughs> Not only your mom heard the S, and she also heard that I said I like them when they're asleep. It's not going great. Okay. Mom, don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, so I say overall, you know, good night. I'd say if we had to rate it out of 1 to 10, I would say tonight was probably a 6.5. I think it was a good night. Uh, maybe we can kind of keep tabs on our, our nights as we go forward. Yeah, we'll, we'll um, rank them. Yeah, let's rank them. So six and a half for the first, for the inaugural uh, podcast. Not bad. So I'm excited about this because this is our, like I said, uh, for the 10th millionth time, this is our first podcast. And it got me thinking about the start of uh, of Esther's. And Esther's was an idea. I want you to, I'd love to talk to you about it tonight a little bit about um, where your inspiration for Esther's came and uh, other things or ideas or people or places that inspired you to to make esters. Esters is something we're going to talk about every week. It's gonna, we're going to talk about the way in which we conceived it, developed it. For the people who are out there who who like restaurants, want to want to hear, you know, want to build their own. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the the way we work with esters day to day, like what we're working on now, years you know, four years in. Um, we're always you know looking to get better, so. Let's start at the beginning. 
Where did, what's the genesis of, of Esther's? So I had been working with the Rustic Canyon family of restaurants um, since Rustic Canyon opened in 2006. In Santa Monica, California. In Santa Monica, California. And I started taking over the wine program for Rustic Canyon in 2011 and then opened um, the sister restaurant, Milo and Olive, and did their wine program. And then we moved away briefly to New York and came back and was trying to get back into it, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And the founder of Rustic Canyon and um, CEO of all the restaurants, Josh Loeb, he start he wanted to run the LA Marathon and started this um, group that would run on Saturdays called Team Gluttony. And I was like, yeah, I want to do it. I run. And so we had I just a- want to, I don't want to interrupt you and just say I'm so excited that we brought the, your LA Marathon experience into the very first episode <laughs> well this was the good part of okay it. okay um i finished okay <laughs> <laughs> you did finish you did um talk about a long finish that, that your experience yeah, that with the la marathon finish. my goodness the only other good thing about the marathon was that it really prepared me for childbirth anyway Josh Loeb, we had this, we had a lot of conversations and he was like, what do you want to do next? What would be your dream? And I'm like, you know, what would be so cool that exists in California is this place where you can drink wine and buy wine in the same place. That isn't, um, something that you can do in many States. And I just think it's cool. And it would be, I love the idea of a wine shop because there's something really, I don't know, romantic about it. I just, um, have always loved shopping for wine as as a wine person. It's fun to go see different bottles and that. But working in wine retail, I found just pure retail was a little bit boring. So I loved the idea of combining them. And he was like, that sounds cool. That sounds great. And, and sometime, a few weeks after this idea, we had started talking about it, he called me up and was like, hey, Catherine, I found this space. Uh, do you want to come take a look at it? And I was like, sure. I mean, I didn't think he thought that was you know I thought we were just having conversations and we saw this place and it wasn't really like that inspiring I guess um and but he said well I'm really open to doing this with you in the next five years I'm like cool okay I'll start writing a business plan and then a week later he called me and he was like hey I found the space come look at it and I came and I was like and it is the space that we have now and I was like wow and I said I I got a call tug and because we had been talking like, well, maybe we'll move back to New York. Maybe we'll do something else. And you came and saw the place. And you're like, we have to do this. Because you have this idea of a, con- a, a basic concept, oh, a bar and a shop. Okay. But then you see the space and it kind of like just lit up like everything that it could be. And it's in this huge, tall Art Deco building, really like solid 1930s Santa Monica building and it was the first floor this first this part um, that has a really old cement floor nothing on the walls we had to do everything to the space and that was super exciting and it just felt urban and New Yorky and I'm you and I both like there are so many places in New York that we love we love that like kind of that urban elegance yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, it felt it felt cosmopolitan. Yes, um, which was nice. And, and we should say that you know, there's another where we you know we opened two months after, and in conjunction basically with Casilla, which is a restaurant in Santa Monica that's really really successful. It's a part of the group with Brian Ng and Josh Loeb and Zoe Nathan and Kim and um, and 
and and we kind of watched we kind of grew together which was really fun for us and the, the spaces were really raw and really beautiful and you could say like you said like a like an like an urban elegance cosmopolitan this um, art deco thing to the building yeah. which which really inspired a lot of the design and i think having the idea like our uh, i mean i love her i love the idea of a wine shop i know i love restaurants wow like being in this space every day you know that was kind of part of it and the business plan was written alongside knowing where the space was I think that's unique you know a lot of times you write the business plan and then you are out looking for your space but it was in a lot was inspired by the space yeah and we took a long time um designing it with our designer um Una Ryan of um ORA ORA and she did a great listening with us. We did a lot of flea market shopping. Like every single detail in the shop was like really handpicked and thought about and to create this both cozy and elegant space that would go with the building, but also feel like someplace you want to hang like a wine bar forever and ever. I think it just has to be cozy. It cannot feel like this vault or, you know, someone came to us in when we were looking for architects and designers and it was like a wine cave and it was this giant, norm, ginormous cave-like thing. And I'm like, okay. There's like I an just, artificial bear I, in their I, pictures. I'm like, okay, but I don't want to get cozy in there, you know? Yeah. wanted to feel cozy. I think, um, I don't know, wine just makes you want to be in a smaller space and a lot and and here was the thing too you know we were I, I was just talking about the wine shop and wine bar combo because there had been this article in the wall street journal around that time it was about all these people who um in different pockets of the country who had this idea like i'm gonna leave my job and i am gonna go open a wine shop this is my dream. This is my romantic dream. And then it was like, wow, this is really hard, <laughs> you know, because I'm in retail and I've got this shop and this is not like the romance I signed up for. And almost all of them said they wanted to or ended up adding a bar component to it because that made it more successful because that brought more money in, that brought more people in. And so we knew about that. We knew about what could be the potential of, you know, problems of having both. And then we put the bar right in the middle and put the shop around. We've both been to places where there's like a shop and then there's a wine bar in the corner and you're like, oh, is anybody else hanging out over there? Well, I will say one of the inspirations for, for when we were building out Esther's was um, I worked a, I worked at a, a bar in San Francisco when I graduated college called Clooney's for all of you uh, San Francisco people out there. Who know the mission? I worked. I think it was Twenty Fifth and Valencia, and uh, it's an Irish pub. It was fantastic. I loved it so much, and I worked the eight a.m. to four p.m. shift, um, five days a week. And there's a my, my boy named Gene, an older gentleman named Gene, used to open the, the bar at six o'clock, and at six uh, from six to eight he would work the bar, and at eight a.m. I would come in, and he would slide to the other side of the bar, and drink vo. <laughs> and um, I would serve him, and then so so. But I, what I loved about it was this idea of a horseshoe bar where you could kind of see everyone. I just like the idea where you can see people having fun drinking. Oh, what what are they drinking? What what are they up to? We'd also shake dice, which was super fun for me. We we don't do it Esther's yet. I'm working on that, but um, 
such a fun like time in my life. Everyone should go there uh, when you're in San Francisco. But um, we kind of kind of updated that uh, the horseshoe experience to 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 accommodate that for Esther's. A place where you come down, you know, after work, sit down, enjoy a glass of wine, see some cheese go out or something, and be like, "Ooh, what's that?" And or I want to talk to you about your wine. Like, how is that? Just kind of bring that sort of communal experience. I would say that was really important that you brought that. Not just working at that bar, but as someone who loves bars, who goes to bars a lot. Your mom heard that too. So now your mom heard that I love bars. I mean, (sighs) painting a terrible picture of me. But Sorry. Yes. No, I agree. It's only six years in. That's true. She doesn't know me that well. Um, no, but you, you do. You love like you love going to a bar. You love analyzing the bar. You love hanging with people at a bar. That's a very, like a social thing that you love. You have an idea of what is going to work for a bar. And I had worked in restaurants. I had worked uh, wine retail, and we're opening it with a restaurant group. No, nobody in that group had opened a bar. That's a different thing. Yeah, it's a different we, we, it's vibe. Some, this is something that we'll talk about we, more as we, we go on. We, we, had to learn, we had to learn. We had to learn that, like, we had to learn what we st- we're still learning what Esther's is, and what 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 does well, and how people perceive that thing. Like, it, that's something that like we took away immediately. It's like, it's one thing for us to try to imbue what we think Esther's is onto the community. The community sort of tells us what they think it is, and we have to adjust. So that's a really like, from a person who hasn't had a ton of experience in the restaurant business, that was a huge eye opener. It's like, oh, you can try to like not sell Sauvignon Blanc, but if if everyone comes into one Sauvignon Blanc, you're gonna have to find a way to put yeah, that on your list. Just have vodka soda. <laughs> yeah. Don't say no to those people. Well, we're not gonna like not like you know, we, we lead. All... We're not gonna lead with vodka soda, but yeah. if someone wants it, we're not gonna tell them. We're not gonna and, serve and, it. And, and respect to the people who don't have to do that in their fancy cocktail bar. But where we are, what we're doing, we needed to say yes as many times as we could, and I like doing that. Yeah, and just to, I, I, just to piggyback on this inspiration idea, like a couple ideas. What's the restaurant in Paris that I love? That where you stand up and order. You, you look it up while I'm talking about it because another place that I really love is is in Santa Barbara. Like we have to we have to do a tip of the cap to yep. Le Marchand because Le Marchand is Le Marchand is such an inspiration. Yeah, it's an inspiration in the sense that like they they kind of were doing what what well what we wanted to do, which was doing uh, wine retail, but also mm-hmm. able to get a great bite and a great glass of wine. Like you know, so kudos to the, if, if you're in Santa Barbara, like go into the Funk Zone and check out Le Marchand. It's a great spot. You know, obviously, there's places. You know, Catherine used to work at a restaurant uh, called August, which is was an inspiration too, because they did so many things well in New York City called August. So, you know, it's little things like that, which we'll talk about more. Um, you know, and of course, you know, where I got I cut my teeth in the restaurant business as, as a server and bartender and busser at Red Lobster in Fredericksburg, Virginia, um, slinging them biscuits. You were making people happy. I was. I was with the Blue Lagoon cocktail or whatever, whatever like small toy lobster we were putting in these goblets um that is hilarious i I never have ordered a cocktail there well you should they're delicious yes um well that name will come to you well i uh the la vere volet is that it isn't like it's the the comptoir oh yeah it's a comptoir i waited i watched you scroll your phone 
looking for the answer, and I knew it all along. Oh, that I was tricked rude. you. Isn't that mean? No, now I'm now I'm looking at my likes on the last thing. <laughs> how am I doing? Now on you're the spiraling here? down your Instagram. Oh, really? Oh yeah, here I am. Less than hundred likes for my son. That's my a son is guaranteed two hundred likes. As, what, what do you I want to say? say, you know, these specific places, but also the entire Esther's was delayed a year. So even though we had made so many decisions about the design and the business, had the business plan, all the financials, everything, we were delayed a year because of some retrofitting uh, for earthquake safety that became mandatory in Santa Monica. So during that year, Tug and I took some trips to Europe. We went to Italy, and we went to, I spent a month in France, and you came for two weeks, and that was super inspirational, because you're kind of getting out of this, who are my competitors, what's LA, you're just thinking, like, what feels good, like, what kind of place feels magical, what, what little corner do we go into and find a, a bar or a shop that's like, oh, what are they doing here? This is doing it right. And when you're on vacation, you're just open to all those things. Not only did we visit so many uh, bars and restaurants and that kind of thing, but also we visited winemakers and got so many inspirations from them. It's a great transition because the wine that we're drinking tonight, we got on that trip. And we had the, the pleasure of visiting this winemaker and um, it was a super expi- exciting and inspirational trip. But I, I want to say one thing before we jump into this wine. And you talked about this. You know, everyone has, you know, visions of what owning a, wine, a bar or a restaurant is like. But you, you don't take into account their ideas like you're delayed for a year. And most people who get into the restaurant business understand this because we're, they're all delayed. We're all delayed. Do we expect to be delayed for a year? No. Do we expect to be delayed because... We found out that L.A. is 10 years behind San Francisco in their earthquake proofing of buildings. And that's what holds you up. And there's nothing you can do. So that's the kind of sexiness we're going to give you on this podcast. All the good stuff. But let's get to the real, the real topic tonight, which is this great trip we had while we were delayed. And we got to visit Champagne and pick up some great wine. So which, which, let's talk about the wine for tonight. Yes. So we visited Le Brun. Servonet, um in Champagne. He, he's located in Aviz. And um, we met with Patrick, and he's the proprietor and winemaker there. So such a gentleman, like such a sweet man. But what was really special for us, I think, during that visit is that he did some hand disgorging of the champagnes. That means that he... Once the champagne has aged for a certain amount of time on the lees, on the dead yeast cells, the wine um, needs to be riddled, which is a process by which um, all the dead yeast cells go into the neck of the bottle. And then he takes the cap off, the dead yeast flies out, and he puts the cork on. It's a really intense process and it's really powerful because you're dealing with so much pressure um onto that cork anyway he did that live for us which i have a video of and i and i put um on my social media because i personally had never seen that live i thought it was so 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 cool and every time i think about this winery i i think about that it's like not only 
is he an amazing winemaker, but that was an introduction to this age-old winemaking process that was cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll find a way to uh, repost that for people to see because it is a cool experience. And um, I think that's one of the things I appreciate who's not a professional in the, the wine world from, from the sense as a sommelier. Like, it's great to go to, to, these, to these vineyards and meet the people. Like, taking away the story is such a way in for people who are who are not into the, the technical aspects of wine. Like, I just want to meet the person and be like, oh, you're a regular guy who makes incredible wine. Like, that's, and that's, it's, it's a, it's like an art. It's like, I always say art to me, wine is like where art and science meet. And I, like, am attracted to, to that, th- you know, thinking. So, watching this guy do what he does uh, was pretty pretty awesome. It was really cool, and he he we had we did have a translator for that part of the trip because he didn't speak amazing English, but I felt like we were conversing with him great. Um, and he the, his family's been there for four generations, but it was really his parents that started the winery, and they are they have some of the best vineyards in um, the Cote de Blanc in Avis. I feel like this is old school. Cote de Blanc, old school Blanc de Blanc. It's so. What do you what do you mean by that? Explain to it. So it's all Chardonnay, and Chardonnay is the primary grape grown in Cote de Blanc, and it sits on this bed of chalk. You know, we talk about Champagne being special. It's about the chalk, and the like core of the chalk is in the Cote de Blanc. This wine, because he doesn't do anything to it is all about tasting that chalk i think so uh what are your thoughts on this one it's drinking amazing right now i I can taste the fact that it's a little older you know i mean it's not like a non-vintage there's a little something to it but there's razor sharp acidity and it's all about minerals and chalk like this is 100 percent chardonnay from the cote de blanc and you can taste that every step of the way. It's not hiding or masking what it is by winemaking in any way. It's just zippy, like beautiful, crystal clear champagne. It doesn't have any of that rich, biscuity character that some producers are known for. It's more straight up oysters. It's it's salty. Isn't it? Yeah, it's salty. You're, you're right about the, the non-biscuit thing, but this is, you bring up a good point because this is the first podcast uh, of the series for us, and I think like people are coming to us for the first time who may be novices to wine or want to learn more. So can you tell me a little bit more about the general, when people think of like the general idea of champagne, what that is and how this is you know different? Well, certainly it's a sparkling wine. It's from champagne. Usually it's three varieties or some component thereof, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. And it's in the, in terms of fruit flavors, I think of it in the apple and pear world, lemon world, could be red apple, could be green apple, and then also that like toasty, biscuity character and the richness. That's like a common theme for a lot of champagne. It, right? it, it is. Yeah. And so how rich or biscuity it is depends on that producer's style um, and that particular wine. This, this is all Chardonnay. It's way on the less, no rich, biscuity character. It's not aged in oak, which... 
can help with that. There's no old wine blended into it. Well, this is all 2005. Um, it's just minerals and tart fruit, kind of. And, and another basic fact that you know, that people who are involved in wine know, but like, in order for wine to be called champagne, it needs to be grown in the region of champagne. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and that's something that I didn't know for the longest time. As I was drinking wine with you, and people were like, "Let's drink," you know, I, I would just assume champagne was sparkling wine. I think that happens a lot. You go to like restaurants or weddings, and everyone's like, "Let's drink some champagne," and it's, it's not technically what it is. It's just that's just a specific you know determination for people in the wine world. Absolutely, um, and I, and the more you learn about the process and how intense it is. Um, two fermentations, the kind of aging, the kind of equipment you need, the, you begin to understand, oh, my God, now I know why it's so expensive um, and why champagne is really champagne because there's a lot to it. That's a really good point because I think people a lot of times buy some sparkling wine and like, let's get champagne, and it's Prosecco, and it's more affordable, which is not – I mean, there's great Prosecco out there, but you do understand – It's a different process. Yeah. It's a different place. It's different regulations. It's a different mood. Like, there's a night for sparkling wine, and there's a night for champagne. Can I taste some more of the chalk? My, my glass is, yeah. is like, um, I just need a little more taste of the chalk before we continue. Boink. Thank you. So, in Avis, where he is, and in the Cote de Blanc, there's kind of been this little bit more recent movement of more um, current winemakers to make their wines more oxidative and complex early on. Salos is another producer that's an example of this. And those wines are amazing. They're just a really different style. This is racy and all about chalk. I mean, there's nothing else I can say. It's no, there's no, it's all in stainless steel. There's no oak. There's no malolactic. It's just racy chalky champagne so i guess uh, you know for a uh, everyday drinker who likes champagne i'd say this is the more um zippy green apple crisp but because it's 2005 it has a lot of complexity it is aging great oh i bet you know if this was 2017 it would be like razor sharp and, and not all champagnes are a vintage Right. Most aren't. Yeah. They only make champagne vintage in great vintages. Um, and well, good vintages, I guess. What's a, what's 05? Like, what do people think of 05? 05 is not like as loud as 04 or 06. Um, but I am of the opinion that great producers make great wine in every vintage. Where can people out there maybe pick this up? If I don't think we have it currently at Esther's. So uh, we brought it home and we've been storing it in our um, what, 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 let wine me tell, fridge. Let, yeah. let me just paint the picture of this oh, wine fridge you. also. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it yes, is, yes, this is actually worth telling. <laughs> it is. We got this wine fridge as a wedding present from my cousin Kim and her husband Hector. And it doesn't fit anywhere in our house except in the closet of our kids' room. It's a big closet, um, but that's the only place where it fits. And so we only get wine out of our cellar when it's very premeditated. You can't just like be, you know, 
two wines in at 9.30 and you're like, yeah, let's go get something from the cellar. You don't do that because you're not going to wake the babies. So it's great, actually. We hardly ever dip into it. Not only that, like... First of all, it runs. It makes the closet run like eighty-eight degrees. That room is so hot. And, oh my god! And it's on top of all that, we hazard. just throw whatever we want in that closet. You like, can't it's even just, walk in there. You can't even walk in this walk-in closet because there's so many kids' junk. <laughs> I, it's just I had junk. to like, do Jenga to open that thing today. <laughs> like move so many old toys and like a humidifier, and I was like, "There's the key." Uh! And I got it out. Yeah, they don't tell you that story when you're drinking wine, you know, in France about how we... Let me we... tell you what it took to get into the <laughs> cellar. Yeah. Not like, let me tell you how hard it was to make this wine. Yeah. Let me tell you how hard it was to access Yeah, this. how many boxes I stepped over to open that, you know, wine fridge. In Champagne, we drink on the night of our sixth anniversary mm. together as we kick off our podcast. Let's get a cheer, a Foley artist, get close to your mic and let's do a quick cheers. Ooh. Happy anniversary. Blew off the mic. Happy anniversary to you. And I thought we'd end the podcast in the sort of in the spirit of inspiration hmm. with each of us giving one thing that has inspired us recently. Book, meal, show, art. You name one thing, I name one thing, and we get out and we drink. I'll go first. So I went to a restaurant in Culver City on Friday that's been around for a long time, and it recently changed management. Josiah Citron of Molise and the owner of Rock and Wagner Bakery, uh, whose name is Case Mia, and I apologize on that, have opened, uh, reopened Dear John's. And if you have a chance to go to this restaurant before they shut it down in two years, you have to go. It's like this remaking of... Everything you want in um, like a local steakhouse. It just plays the hits. Just give me the hits. I had um, chicken parm. That was unbelievable. I, had a, I split, I split the, a meal with my friend. We had sirloin and chicken parm and um, uh, cream spinach and garlic bread. And it was ridiculous. And I had a, a, a Vesper and um, some Chateau de Brezé Cremant because I'm fancy. In a coupe glass. What? What? And I had a fantastic time. And maybe the kicker for me was, and you can't do this in L.A., I parked in a parking lot. And I didn't have to valet my car. What are we talking about? Incredible night. If you have a chance to go to Culver City, Dear John's, and have a great time, I sat at the bar. Um, it really was fun. Because I, as I told you after I went, I was like, it's so awesome to see something be what it wants to be at its full potential. It's like, I don't want to like, I don't need to be like this thing that I'm not. I, I'm, I am that I am to the fullest. And it was so much fun. So that's my, I was inspired. Check it out. Well, I'm going to say something that you brought to me. So it's, this is, could be partial. I like it already. But this was in the New York, Sunday New York Times a couple of weeks ago. And it's an article that was, um, called The Pain of Losing a Local Record Store by David Sachs. And it's about this rest, uh, this record store called June Records in Toronto that closed its doors. And it had only been open since 2012. But the sensibility of this article um, and this love letter to June was truly inspiring to think that 
a shop, a store could really touch someone in that way is really cool. In thinking about like, what do we want to create with Esther's? Um, I just pulled it up here on my phone for a second. But I just wanted to read this one little part that I thought was really cool. Um, I never went to June Records to buy a record. I went to June to go to June to experience a humanizing moment through commerce. To enter that space, interact with its goods and its personalities, and walk out with something far greater than a copy of Bill Withers' Jessments. My relationship with staff at June, uh, the staff at June Records were forged over the recommendations, blah, 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 blah. Sure, you can get help and suggestions shopping for music at an Urban Outfitters, but it's not the same, because what I built at June over the years of transactions was something deeper, a sense of place. Wow. You know, that's so cool. Like, if anyone would ever say that about a place that we run, that would be really special. But also if they just said we had our first date there and now we're history, that would be cool too. I mean, maybe wait, not wait, we're history. Wait, what do you say? What do you, you say? They wanted a terrible first date? <laughs> the champagne is kicking in. The champagne is kicking in. It's hot in here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I love that article. It really make, it inspired me as well in the sense that, like, what's why you get into the restaurant business. You want, for us at least, uh, was the idea of, like, showing off wines that we believe in, uh, food and product that we believe in, and sharing with people that we want to get to know and, and be in the same room with. It's just all connection and humanity. And that's part of why we're doing this podcast, because we have a lot of mistakes that we're making and we have a lot of things that we're doing right, and we want to share both. And like, hopefully together the listeners can you know, send us some messages and say, hey, uh, we like what you're doing, or you know, try this or try that, and we're, we're game for it. So um, it's a fun journey. Um, a happy anniversary to you. And to you. And um, hopefully you all continue to stay with us on the long finish. And um, we're excited to bring you more stories about wine and opening a restaurant and continuing to run a restaurant and raising a family. But until then, I hope you uh, have a great night and happy drinking. <laughs>